May the Lord give you his peace. Um, if and when you ever have an opportunity to make it to the Holy Land, they um, have the place, the, the Pool of Bethesda, they found it. And it's um, just to the north of the temple area. So it's uh, interesting how Mother Church in today's readings at Mass places the passage from Ezekiel 47, the water coming out of the temple flowing to the north and, and uh, the measuring of it and it's getting deeper and deeper with this story from uh, John 5 with Jesus healing this man there near the sheep gate where they would bring the sheep in for sacrifice. Uh, oh, so interesting. They... Uh, have this place where the water would be gathered. It was a rather large area. And uh, in the Crusader time, there was a big church kind of built over the top. And uh, those that church, is, the ruins of it is there. And uh, you can get on these uh, stairs that have been built, uh, kind of metal scaffolding looking stairs. And you can climb under the ruins down to the actual pool still there. And, uh, you know, the water, there's still water there. And uh, so I, I took a bunch of the pilgrims down there. And a lady who had great faith climbed a little fence and got into the water and was filling up little holy water bottles for everybody. Uh, somehow thinking and hoping there would be some, you know, mystical curative properties of this water. So... But uh, it's the faith of the people, obviously. So, um, so the church wants to see this uh, account of the healing of the man uh, kind of through the lens of that vision from Ezekiel. And I thought it might be um, a nice opportunity to talk about the uh, theology of worship. You know, uh, worship is something that we all do, but uh, maybe sometimes we don't always stop to think, well, what's going on there when we worship. So for the Jewish people, they had uh, you know, things that they did to worship God. And uh, the time of Christ in particular, the um, kind of the liturgical practices and devotions of the Jewish people had been kind of shaped by their history. So were things that had happened throughout the history, salvation history, and uh, those events, uh, those saving events had been, uh, I don't know if this is a correct word, liturgicalized, commemorated in ceremonies. So obviously you've got the Sabbath, you've got the Day of Atonement, the sacrifice of the lambs in Egypt and the blood being placed on the lentils and the passing over, the angel of death and then the going through the Red Sea. You know, there were things that had happened that by the time the people had been established in the land, and you know the setting up of the temple and the sacrifices there, they uh, were very much in touch with their history and the things that God had done at uh, critical moments had kind of been, uh, kind of been, I, reenactment might be the right word, but uh, there was a way that the people could get in touch with those events. And there was a belief that um, in some ways, there were graces that were distributed through their devotions, through their sacrifices. At the time for the Jewish people, the center of all of this was the temple. You know, so it's really interesting to study the temple and what it was and what was there and its location. 
And uh, this uh, apocalyptic literature, like for example, the book of the prophet Ezekiel, you know, showing to us maybe the unseen spiritual side to what was happening in the seen physical side. So when you go to the temple, there's psalms, there's prayers, there's praises, there's blessings, there's devotions, there's uh, different types of sacrifices like um, the burning of incense and um, the killing of animals and the splashing around of their blood and, uh, you know, all of this stuff. And, uh, but they had a, a theological understanding of what, how did this work? What, how does this put us in touch with God and help us to grow in his grace? And of course, Jesus, in many ways, takes up all of that history all of those rituals and ceremonies and practices and devotions, and in some ways, they all kind of become synthesized and fulfilled in his own person. So the early church would describe the crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus in terms of the temple, right? His body is actually the temple. Well, Jesus himself claimed that. And uh, the water which is always a symbol of grace that flows out of the temple, flowing from the altar, in some ways becomes fulfilled in the water and blood that flows from his pure side. He himself, who is the living temple, and then that grace that we believe theologically flows from his sacrifice. And uh, how do we get in touch with that grace? How do we communicate with it? How do we, you know, it's through the sacraments of the church. And uh, the more you understand the kind of Jewish liturgical kind of uh, devotion and their, their uh, practices, you, you understand very clearly how the Catholic Church got all these ideas of how the sacraments put us in touch with that grace. So um, if the water is flowing from that temple, from the place of sacrifice, the altar, and then it keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. You could compare that to like, let's say, uh, the life of a believer where uh, beginning in baptism, the grace of the Lord is given. And hopefully the more we live, the more we pray, the more we praise, the more we worship, the more we are united to the sacrifice of Christ, particularly through the, the sacraments and mass, the more the grace of God grows in the life and hearts of a believer. So let's say in the beginning, the, there's just enough water, just enough grace, just like a puddle you can splash in. And hopefully as you become more holy, you grow, the grace is up to your knees, then up to your waist, and then you meet older people who are really holy and they've, they've been living a life of prayer and praise and sacrifice. They're, they're swimming in the deep end at that point, you know. <laughs> um, it's kind of interesting, huh? Kind of beautiful. And... Uh, You'll even see uh, some of these ideas in the book of Revelation at the end, which is the, the apocalyptic literature par excellence. It's kind of giving a description of uh, the connection between our worship and our prayer, what we're doing here, especially when we go to Mass, and how it affects our life, how it affects history, how it affects our reality. There's a connection. Um, I don't quite understand how it really works, but when what we believe is when we pray, when we praise God, when we worship, when we come to the altar, when there's uh, sacrifice, we unite the sacrifice of our own lives to the one sacrifice of Jesus, which happens most clearly here at Mass, 
the uh, grace of God is somehow flowing. It's released. Uh, and there's these uh, virtue and that is described symbolically as the trees that grow on the bank of the river and the monthly fruit that gives food and the leaves that give medicine, all of that is uh, kind of a theology or a description of how grace is at work and how we can participate in that and how our own lives, little as they may be, make a difference and that our prayers, our sacrifices, our praises, our worship, those of us in religious life have a, a, an honor and a blessing to be in the chapel what, five times a day minimum and we're at mass every day and we're, that somehow all of that is making an impact on the world. Somehow that is helping to uh, be a conduit for that flow of water, that flow of grace into the world. Um, it's kind of mystical, it's kind of um, interesting, but uh, it's all coming out of that crucified and risen heart of Jesus, huh? That is, you know, flowing through his body, the church, through us. And uh, so let us, you know, be inspired by this uh, vision, this, this theology of worship, of, uh, you know, this call to, you know, be in communion with the Paschal Mystery, the saving grace, that uh, through us, through our prayer, through our praise, through our worship, through our sacrifice, the, uh, this uh, grace, this living water, this you know, flow from the sanctuary may, uh, may come into our world this day.